Today, I want to talk to you about seven relationships that really, 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 really matter. Seven relationships that really, 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 really matter. Seven relationships that really matter. And so this is the key text we've been using. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 14 to 16. It says, no more immature behavior amongst us. Undeveloped people are an easy mark for imposters. In other words, if you're not going to grow in your faith, if you're not going to grow in the knowledge of who you are and who God is, you are an easy pick for anything. You're an easy pick. And the enemy is not intimidated by undeveloped people. The enemy is always intimidated by developed, seasoned, maturing, going forward, know who I am, know who God is type of people. And Europe has had way too many weak believers. Not even sure what they believe, not even sure why they believe. And so it makes perfect sense for us in this part of the world to commit to the journey of humility. And that's basically what spiritual maturity is. Spiritually growing, spiritually maturing is basically the journey of humility. Now I know who I am. I know who God is. I don't have to let pride tell me because pride lies, but humility tells the truth. Humility will always cover you, whereas pride will cover you in lies. Humility will cover you in truth. That's why it's so important to go on a journey of humility. Christ is the greatest example of humility. He knew who He was, and because of that, He had so much strength. And I believe if you'll know who you are in Christ, if you will commit to growing your life in Christ, becoming more aware of what God has made available, His promises, His goodness, His kindness towards you, it will build so much more strength into you. It will build such a conviction inside of you that you'll find yourself, I know what to do, I know where to go, and I know what to say. You won't be paralyzed in your faith, no matter what challenges, no matter what adversity, but there'll be something inside of you that gives you this overcoming spirit in Jesus' name, amen. So don't be easily picked out as an easy one to be picked on. In other words, it says here, undeveloped people are an easy mark for imposters. God wants you to grow up. He wants us to grow up, to know the whole truth and to speak it in love, to be like Christ in everything, to be like Christ in everything, to be like Christ, not just on Sundays, but to be like Christ on Mondays and Tuesdays and Thursdays. You can have a day off on Wednesday. Pick it back up on Thursday. And uh, only joking. To be like Christ in everything. We need to take our lead from Christ. We need to take our lead from Christ. In other words, would you let Christ lead you? Would you let Christ lead you? in a better way? Could you let Christ lead you in whatever it is that you're responsible for? As a father, I want Christ to lead me on how I can be a better father. As, as a husband, I want Christ to lead me how I can be a better husband. And I tell you, having a relationship with Jesus as a husband, as a father, as a male, literally has helped me to not wreck or sabotage my life or my relationships. But having a relationship with Jesus has helped me to actually build strength and build beautiful 
things into every area of my life. And I believe God can do that for you too. It goes on, it says this, who is the source of everything we do. He is the source of everything we do. He keeps us in step with each other. His very breath and blood flow through us, nourishing us so that we will grow up healthily in God. Nourishing us so that we will grow up healthily in God, robust in love. So God's intention is for you, for me, for us, is that we would grow up healthily. And to be growing up healthily, you need to be nourished, which means you've got to have a supply of something good coming into your life. That's why you don't attend church, you belong to a church. Why? Because you don't attend a family, you belong to a family. And it's so wrong when we have this men say, oh, well, I just attend today. Well, I got nothing on, I guess I'll go. Oh, the sun's shining, I'll, I'll go next week when it's raining. It's just not a strong mentality to have and it doesn't change anything in our world. And the first relationship, I believe, obviously, it's a pretty obvious one and that is your relationship with Jesus. Your relationship with Jesus. It might be so simple, it's embarrassing, but the truth is you can never take your relationship with Jesus for granted. Ephesians chapter one, all of these relationships, by the way, that matter are all taken from the book of Ephesians. So the first one is found in the first chapter of Ephesians. I think the verse will come up on the screen. It says this, all praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ. Even before He made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in His eyes. God decided in advance to adopt us into His own family by bringing us to Himself through Christ Jesus. This is what He wanted to do and it's what gives Him great pleasure. What a beautiful thing. God's intention is that you and I will be restored and united to Him through Christ. So your connection with Jesus is everything. Your connection with Jesus is everything. I believe there's a few things we can learn from this is your relationship with Jesus deals with the performance issue. There is no doubt that you and I, as we get going in life, will find the tension or the, pro the challenge of performance. Performing for people, performing for ourselves, performing for people at work. Performance is a real issue. And behind the performance issue is this deep fear of failure a deep fear of failure. So sometimes people who are the highest performers are motivated by this deep fear of failure. Deep fear of failure. I've met some successful people in the sports world and through conversations and their personal story, they've had to deal with this, basically this deep sense of fear of failure, but it's driven them to become high achievers, to become high performers where they get their identity from their success and what they... And so what's behind this is I must meet certain standards in order to feel good about myself. I wonder what standards you feel you've got to meet for you to feel good about yourself. I don't know about you, but I have had to navigate some of these things. What standards that you put on yourself so that you feel better about yourself. And it's interesting, we put so much pressure on ourselves today from educational, but education, see, you can't go to a class called character. You can go to a class called maths, 
and maths can help you to come up with formulas and maths can help you to appreciate the universe and appreciate certain dynamics and certain formulas. But at the end of the day, maths is not gonna give you character. And character is what's gonna build your life. And so we've got to understand character comes from stepping into the unknown. Character comes from embracing challenge. Character comes from having this ability to keep overcoming even when you face setbacks. So what you need to understand is Jesus, a relationship with Him, He deals with this performance issue. You don't need to perform for me. You don't need to meet certain expectations or certain uh, requirements for me to love you. God loves us with an everlasting love. He's the only one who does. Our parents come close, but they're still conditions. <laughs> and so I want you to understand that the relationship with Jesus, I believe, deals with the human issue of performance. I must meet certain standards in order to feel good about myself. What happens if you don't meet them standards? It's amazing how people fail an exam and they feel devastated. Well, rightly so. You've worked so hard, but not to the point where you self-harm. Not to the point where you recruit, recluse into hiding. Your relationship with Jesus deals with the approval and the acceptance issue. Will you approve of me? Will I be accepted by you? Will I be accepted in this church? Will I be accepted in this team? Will I be accepted in this department? Will I be accepted in this company? Will I be approved of in this relationship? There's so much behind the human story and we struggle with this. But what is it? The fear of rejection. No one in this room, no one in this room wants to be rejected. And yet we are so guarded. But Jesus removes the fear of rejection. He says, I accept you. I accept you. All of you. The good, the bad, and the ugly of you. Because that's what the kind of Jesus we serve. Amen. And so what is going on behind this? I must be accepted by certain people to feel good about myself. This is one of the biggest challenges of schools for kids. Ah, uh, Will you accept me? Ah, oh, they don't accept me, mom. They won't let me into their group. And mom has to help them or dad has to help their daughter or their son. And this is a terrible thing. It happens at work. It happens in a lot of the places. But the thing about Jesus, and I want to reassure you today, is that you have no fear about rejection when it comes to Jesus. He is an accepting kind of God. In Jesus' name, amen. So you need an acceptance? Look no further than Jesus. He is the one that will accept. And He accepts with no conditions. He is an all-accepting, beautiful God. Amen. Your relationship with Jesus deals with the blame issue, the fear of punishment. I often think that the, 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 the blame culture is one of the worst cultures in the world. Easy to blame, quick to blame. And I don't believe it's a great thing at all, but it has a, this fear of punishment. If I fail, I'm unworthy. If I fail, I'm unworthy of love and deserve to be punished. This is where we get the do-good do good, get good, do bad, get bad mentality. And this part of the world is crippled with it. Well, if I do good, <laughs> I should get good. And if I do bad, well, I guess I'm gonna get bad. And I tell you, when it comes to relation with Jesus, even when you do bad, His grace always takes care of you in Jesus' Name. I don't deserve it. I know you don't, but I love you. He's not gonna punish you. I didn't go to church last week. I didn't go to church for the last month. You're not going to get punished. All you're going to do is weaken yourself. All you're going to do is distance yourself. All you're going to do is slow down the call of God upon your life. You're not going to be punished. All punishment, all punishment was put on Jesus on the cross. So that relationship is not a relationship of fear. It's a relationship of perfect love. You never have to fear 
when you don't measure up that you're going to be punished. And it's horrible because religions around the world always put that fear on people. And that's why sometimes in our Western culture, and I'll tell you, secular culture gives you nothing better because it doesn't give humanity answers to evil and to problems of pain and suffering. It leaves almost question, a big question. Oh, I don't know how to answer that one. And so what I'm trying to say is Christianity gives so much when it comes to relationship with your heavenly Father. Let me keep going here. I'll give you one more. It says, your relationship with Jesus deals with the shame issue, feeling guilty and shameful. Guilt and shame is a part of life. In other words, we can learn to be guilty. But what does the relationship with Jesus, Jesus do? Basically, it removes the guilt and the shame. And it doesn't mean that you do stuff and you basically... Um, don't have any sense of guilt. No, you can still be in Jesus and still do things and feel guilty and shameful. But what you've got in Jesus, the relationship with Jesus, you've got a pathway forward. You've got a way to overcome it. You can take communion and keep coming back and build strength into your life, not weakness. See, growing up spiritually is what? I know what to do. I know what to say. And I know where to go. Even when I make mistakes. The second relationship that really, really matters I believe is your relationship with godly purpose. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 10 says this, God planned for us to do good things and to live as He has always wanted us to live. That's why He sent Christ to make us what we are. God wants you to do good things. The earlier purpose gets into a child, the better. I'm not talking about seven years old and what do you want to be when you grow up a doctor? Well, aren't you amazing? When you're qualified and you're 27 years of age, then come back and practice on me. But at seven, you're not touching me. Anyone ever see their little children where they're praying, dressed up as doctors and nurses? And for me, when I was a kid with my brothers, I got two brothers, we dressed up as army people because we, we were in the military. <laughs> but the earlier purpose, in, purpose gets in, the better. The earlier purpose that gets in, the better. We live in a society that is addicted to pleasure. When you don't know your purpose, you will be addicted to pleasure. Where pleasure's got you, you haven't got it. And we live in an affluent part of the world where we will spend a lot of money on pleasure. If it's not the seashells, it's going to be Mauritius. If it's not Mauritius, it's going to be Tibetan mountains. If it's not the mountains, it's going to be the valley. If it's not the valleys, it's going to be the moon. If it's not the moon, it's going to be Mars. Pleasure is never satisfied. As soon as you've done that, you want to take it to the next level. See, purpose can handle pleasure. So when people of God are a people of purpose, they know how to keep pleasure in the right place. It doesn't dominate. It doesn't take over. And yet, people of purpose understand pleasure is a part of life. And so what I need you to understand is your relationship with purpose. Do you know your God-given purpose? The God-given purpose for all of us is to know Him and to make Him known. I'm not talking about your gifting for the IT world. I'm not talking about your capacity to solve difficult problems. I'm not talking about your curiosity with biology or chemistry or quantum physics. I'm not talking about them type of things. I'm talking about your God-given purpose. This is a relationship you need to have in your life. I have a relationship with a God-given purpose. Is that a person? No, it is and it isn't if you know what I'm trying to say. To know Him is to know the purpose of your life. 
And I pray that you'll understand God has created all of us. He's planned for all of us to do good things. And so get a sense of purpose over your life. I'm not here hanging in. I'm not here getting by. I'm not here just making money to pay the rent. I'm here to do much, much more than that. So I just really pray that you'll have this relationship with a godly purpose over your life. Amen. That you, you've got a relationship with purpose. In other words, purpose is all over you. Amen. It's more than a tattoo. It, it, it literally, it's inside of you. <laughs> And it comes out of everything that you do. Why am I living in Berlin? Purpose. Why am I doing this job? Purpose. Why am I married? Purpose. Why am I building a church? Purpose. Why am I thinking of better days? Purpose. Why do I believe I can overcome? Purpose. Number three, the relationship that I believe that it really matters in our lives. And this is one that maybe you've not considered, your relationship with God's power your relationship with God's power. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20. Now all glory to God who is able through His mighty power. Now glory to God who is able through His mighty power. Mighty power work within us to accomplish infinitely more than what we could ask, think or imagine. Do you know the power of God over your life? I'm talking about the power that's split the Red Sea. I'm talking about the power of God that creates a pathway when you can't see it. The power of God that takes a sick body and brings health and healing. The power of God is something you can have a relationship with. The power of God that's in His Name. The power of God can work on your behalf. Do you know what the dynamic power of God is over your life? Oh, I'm just so weak as a believer. No, you're not a weak believer. You can know the power of God in Jesus' Name. It's the Name of Jesus that brings the power of God, amen. The chains can be broken. The chains will be broken. I pray we'll be a generation that see the power of God at work. The power of God is in you. The power of God is around you. In other words, God wants to show His power, what He can do. And one of the things that for all of us in the Western culture is to see God create pathways where you can't see. I don't know how God's gonna get me a job. I don't know how God's gonna get me an apartment. I don't know how God's gonna do this. I don't know how, but the point is, it's the power of God working in you, through you, amen. What's gonna help you to see better days is the power of God. I pray that you have a relationship with the power of God, amen. In other words, the power of God is on your life. The power of God is something you know you know that you know. There's nothing healthy about a believer who has no awareness of the pite, the power of God. Amen. God is powerful. God is mighty. Amen. He is able. He is able to do it. And that's where faith arises. Number four, a couple more to go. Your relationship with leadership your relationship with leadership. These are one of the relationships that I think in our Western culture, a lot of people forget. Your relationship with leadership. Your relationship with leadership. Ephesians chapter four, verse 11 to 12. Now these are the gifts that Christ gave to the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, the teachers. Their responsibility is to develop and prepare, to develop and prepare God's people to do His work and build up the church and the body of Christ. Do you know the spirit of your leader? Can you catch the spirit of your leader? If Jesus is your leader, you are His follower. By being a follower of Jesus, by coming close to His leadership, you can catch the spirit of the leader. 
when Moses had challenges with leading God's people, he said, hey, bring 70 people in front of me and I will take some of the spirit that's on you and put it on them and they will help you to lead my people. Do you know the spirit of your leader? If you lead a department, does the, your, does the team in your department know the spirit? If you run a company, the spirit of the owner of the company, does the people who work in the company know the spirit of the leader? And the challenge with this for us in our Western culture is, is we don't want to come close. But you see, to come close, you've got to let go. In fact, that's the principle of all relationships. You can't have relationships in you unless you let people in. You'll never have a relationship with leadership in you unless you, unless, you, unless you let leadership in. You'll never have a relationship with Jesus, the leader of your life, unless you let Him in. Jesus, the leader of life, if you hang around the leader of life, you become a leader in life. I've got two more areas that I believe a relationship that really, really matters. A relationship with Jesus. A relationship with God's power. A relationship with God's purpose. A relationship with leadership. Number five, a relationship with the church. Ephesians chapter four, verse 15 to 16. Instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of the body, the church. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly as each part contributes. It helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. Can I help you understand everybody's needed in building God's house? I love Formula One for lots of reasons, not because it's fast, because it's fascinating. And often we think the driver's the most important, but you'll f figure out pretty quickly when you follow Formula One, uh, Formula One racing, it, it, it's actually so not true. There's a massive team involved. The driver drives, but what, what can the driver do if the, if the guys don't put the wheels on? What can the driver do if the engine hasn't been fine-tuned? What can they do if the, if the sponsors forget to send the money? What can they do if the engineers sleep in because they had a few too many Peronis or a few too many German beers last night? See, what makes Formula One fascinating is not how fast they go. It's the spirit in which they work together for a common purpose. And I think, well, if Formula One can advance, why can't the church? If Formula One can work together, why can't the church? So you don't look at me and go, well, he looks like he's important. I ain't important. I am important, but so are you important. We're all important. Amen. It's not the driver's important. What, what's, what, what, could, what, could, what could the driver do? What could Vettel do if the wheels aren't on the car? Sebastian Vettel is pretty awesome, but I'm telling you, he cannot win unless everybody contributes. And it's exactly the same with the church. I pray that you will have a healthy relationship with the local church. And I know why some people don't. They don't wanna let go of control. They don't wanna start, I don't know, but get healed, get restored. Get into a relationship with godly purpose of your life. Get planted in a healthy church that talks about Jesus and points you to Jesus, amen. And talks about your potential and all that God has got for you. But your relationship with your church let me put it this way. Can I just say it this way? If you're a believer and you have no relationship with the local church, you ain't going anywhere. You will not be effective when it comes to what He has over your life. You may do things, you may make millions and billions, you may even do amazing things, but I guarantee we'll all stand before God and give an account. And one thing that we cannot highlight is, well, I didn't like the church. 
Jesus loves His church. It's His bride. And I've never seen a groom bag out the bride, never. The groom always is blown away by the bride. Can anyone say Amen? And so I need you to understand the relationship with the church. In other words, you'll never have a relationship until you start to contribute to its health, its well-being, its vibrancy. Well, there's things in this church that they just don't do. Well, maybe because you haven't started doing it yet. There's no hoops to jump over coming to church. Contribution absolutely makes it family. Amen. Number six, your relationship with others. I honestly believe it says here, Ephesians chapter five, follow God's example in everything you do because you are His dear children. Live a life filled with love for others. Filled with love for others. Following the example of Christ. Your love for others. You'll never, listen, one of the ways that you get a love for people is to pray for them. It's hard to hate people. Well, it's not hard. I find that sometimes too easy. But I'm a follower of Jesus and a pastor, so I obviously don't advocate hate. But one thing I've learned when people irritate me is I make a commitment to pray for them. Because whatever you pray for, you start having a compassion for. Whatever you pray for, you start to have and develop a compassion for. And empathy comes with it. And it's amazing how you'll understand people much, much better when you begin to pray for them. And I believe that we need to have a relationship with other people. Why? Because God will use others to shape you into His Christ-likeness, amen. He'll use others to get you to your future. And the seventh relationship I really want to encourage you to have, and that is a relationship with the Holy Spirit. There's no doubt the Holy Spirit has been given to us to live the Christian life with the power that He supplies. Ephesians chapter five, don't destroy yourself by getting drunk, but let the Holy Spirit fill your life. Let the Holy Spirit fill your life your life. I give out a lot, a lot of the time, but I need to be filled up too. And if you're giving out in your business, if you're giving out in your family, if you're giving out in your job, you need to be filled up too in Jesus' Name. Would you let the Holy Spirit fill you up? Would you let the Holy Spirit literally just pour all of heaven into you in Jesus' Name? Come on, let's stand to our feet and let's believe God in this moment, our desire to have the relationships that matter are gonna take us further than we could ever imagine your relationship with leadership. Maybe that's not really strong. Maybe you could make plans to strengthen that relationship. Your relationship with purpose. Maybe you've paid no attention to godly purpose over your life. Maybe in these days, in these weeks, you could start paying attention to godly purpose. Maybe your relationship with the Holy Spirit doesn't exist and there's no power. And often when there's a Holy Spirit relationship, there'll always be a relationship with the power of God. But maybe these are the things that you say, you know what? These things are not strong in my life and I want them to become stronger.